Wales to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthews hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And folks, it's lovely to be with you again. And the VFL-AFL is a wonderful Australian game. And thousands of men have played the game at this, the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. And some don't move away at all. And a select few make a lasting impression that will indelibly be recorded in the history of the game forever. Today's guest is a true champion of the game. He commenced his career at Hawthorne in 1961, playing 211 games, winning the best and fairest in 1965, captaining the 1971 Premiership side and then coaching the Hawks to the 1978 flag. He then won three flags with Carlton in 1981-82 and 1995. He is Carlton's coach in their team of the century and is a member of the AFL Hall of Fame. It's my great honour to welcome David Parkin. Thanks, Rex. I'm delighted to be here on the Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Life program. That's How about fantastic. that? And you are with the Tobin Brothers. Uh, used to be known as uh, that when I was at 3AW. But going back, your first memories of football at the highest level, does your CV surprise you? Or was it always going to happen for David Park and a little boy in shorts at Melbourne High School? Oh, Rex, that's a different. I think uh, I always say if you choose your parents well, get a good education and stay healthy, and I reckon I got the trifecta. I had two wonderful parents who encouraged me from day one and fabulous teachers at Hawthorne West Primary School who took me down the pathway, I guess, basically in cricket and footy. And I had an interest living 50 metres from the Hawthorne, old Hawthorne ground, my first memories of VFL football knows I was standing on my bike so I could get tall enough to look over the fence in Linda Crescent. And mm. despite being close to Hawthorne and going to training and doing the things that kids of that age did with their local footy team, I ended up a passionate Melbourne supporter. It was just a way of life, wasn't it? Uh, cricket in the summer, footy in the winter. Who did you follow as a kid? Yeah, Melbourne... I think because Ian Ridley, my father was a bank manager and Ian Ridley was his clerk in the yeah. State Savings Bank in Elizabeth Street. So I had an interest, first of all, through him. So that interest by a player, single player, and Ian Ridley, which I remain very good friends with Ian right up till his death. Yeah. Um, that gave me a connection with Melbourne, which I didn't have with people at Hawthorne. And it wasn't until I was by residential grounds, you would have been the same. You were forced to play with yeah. the team that... You lived in or resided in that area or that yeah. zone, and, uh, and but in in all reality, Rex probably for you too it was the best decision that was made. I went to Hawthorne in 1961 as a kid straight from Melbourne High, and it was the year they won their first premiership. So how lucky was I to be in that environment, if you like, learning the the approaches and attitudes and behaviours and all that sort of thing which that club was able to bestow on me. From my memory, Melbourne was dominant in the competition, coached by Norm Smith and the legendary Ron Barassi was, uh, I think he took over from John Beckwith and became a dynamic captain. Hawthorne had really been cellar dwellers and the 1961 Premiership was in fact Hawthorne's first 
and uh, it was under the banner of Kennedy's Commandos. What are your early uh, memories of those training areas in the forest carrying bags of wheat? Well, that's the legend, anyhow. No, no, that was the, uh, that's the reality. We had a training farm, would you believe, Rex, out at uh, Heidelberg on the river. Um, and we did carry we carried sandbags over the over the bank the uh, levee bank of the uh, the river at that point and i think i th- didn't think i'd survive to be truthful rex i mean they were absolutely committed i'm not sure they're the most skillful team that ever played mm. in a grand final and won a grand final but by heavens they're absolutely committed and strong as ox and they worked and set up, I guess, a standard that people surpassed or equaled in the future of a physical preparation. So we threw sandbags and weights and carried bricks and we did all those sorts of things. And uh, as a kid, soft kid from school, I didn't find that terribly easy to be truthful. This week I spoke to Tom Hafey, who I met in 1965 at Punt Road as a member of the under-19 squad under Ray Jordan. I've been uh, friends with Tommy and those great eras uh, that I was involved in at Richmond for life. In 1961, John Kennedy became an integral part of your life that continues to this day. And and how fortunate you are, if you're lucky enough, and that's sheer luck, to end up in a a club which has a team coached by a man of that ilk. Mm. Uh, The number of people... I was talking to John Warsfold the other day and he was saying the nicest thing that's come out of the game for him was to attend the best and fairest and have young Prittis, Matt Prittis, on winning the best and fairest and John, having retired, stand up and say that uh, he gave him the opportunity. I think John along the way told him he wouldn't be in a premiership side. If they were going to win one, they'd have to be without him because he wouldn't be good enough. And this boy, against that backdrop, was able to win a best and fairest and say publicly that the thing that will he'll remember most or the influence was John in terms of who he's become as a person, the values he holds, the behaviours that he thinks are essential that he's going to bestow on Mm. his family in time ahead. Well, you couldn't get a better accolade than that. And I would suggest that John Kennedy has influenced the lives of so many hundreds of Hawthorne players. In terms of his football, I guess, game plan and uh, attitude to tactics and that sort of thing was probably minimal. I hope you're not listening, John. Uh, but in terms of his influence on the things that produce the kind of performances and behaviours that you need if you're going to collectively get the job done, unbelievable, I guess, uh, including mum and dad, probably had the greatest influence on who I became as a person. The man in the famous brown overcoat uh, never coached uh, above the boundary line until he decided to build his own little box on top of one of the structures, when I say structures, at uh, at uh, Glen Ferry Oval, Oval, it was on top of some corrugated iron. Uh, on, on corrugated iron, I'll get that out in a minute. Is that the first memory of you seeing a coach elevate himself above to get a better view of his charges? Yeah, I think it was, one, and it was so close, Rex, if mm. you were an opposition oh. player, and, and he didn't need a runner because if you were about to take off in the back pocket and, and suck a hand pass or something like mm. that, you'd hear no from the, yeah. from the boundary line, so he was coaching. Yeah, um, and that was an industry. John was probably the greatest orator, use uh, of the Queensland. Like, we get a bit of the Bible, we get a bit of Karl Marx, we get a bit of Churchill <laughs> all in the pre-match address. And I was on the, most of the others weren't, but I was on the, the edge of my seat every time wondering what one yeah. of the pearls of wisdom would come from his mouth. Fast forward to 71 and you're captain. Uh, you're playing in the back pocket. You uh, join the 200 club 
and what a special year that was. Coached by Kennedy, captained by Parkin. Does that, uh, apart from your other triumph, which there are many, remain very, very close to your heart as a great achievement, captaining your club in a premiership? Rex, I think for all of us, I mean, coaching's probably what you do when you can't play anymore, to be truthful, mm. to say a part of it. But uh, to go to the MCG and you're ending your career, you're about, about to finish and had a couple of goes and not made it, to be captain of a club, um, on the MCG, I think 118,000 people there, Rex, and it was against one of your mobs in St Kilda. Yeah. Uh, to come from behind and win that game, I, I, that, that's indelibly etched on my memory. I can't say it is for the premierships, which are just a massive, what's the word, sigh of relief when yeah. the final siren rang. So being out there, making it happen, and being part of the leadership group of that team was pretty special. My memories of the day was just uh, not uh, not how, but when Peter Hudson was going to uh, beat Bob Pratt's record, but uh, Cowboy Neil's forehand and uh, I think Barry Lawrence's elbow might have just rearranged the ear hole on the right side of, uh, of Hutto's face. And he, I think from memory, I was sitting in the stand, he actually kicked in to the man on the mark, uh, Lawrence. It wasn't meant to be. But he said so many years down the track, I would have hated to have break the record, broken the record and not won the premiership. So that just says it all, doesn't it? I hadn't heard him say that. that that's that's true. But it was. He missed one, you might remember, off the side of his boot. Yeah. You know, and he was as good a converter oh. on the run or, or standing with still. With a flat punt. With a flat punt. Yeah. The ugliest looking kick you've oh, ever seen. So shocking. Well, it was disappointing he didn't, but I think it, we all would think the same way. to have not passed the record, but it finally won the game and he can't remember any of it and I can remember the year that you talked about was hanging hanging off yeah. was just about split through so he did remarkably well with no memory of what he was doing. Exactly. This is your football life for Tobin Brothers Funerals we're celebrating lives and we're celebrating the football life today although he's still breathing Tobin so you're not going to get him yet uh, this is David Parkin. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rex Hunt you played five state games. Back then, it was a great honour, you know, to have a, B, a big V Guernsey. I've got all my Guernseys at home, and, and my big V, my only one big V, meant so much to me. It, do you think it's a shame in this modern era that the world has passed over these representative games? Or no, absolutely, and and you and I feel exactly the same. I only played a couple of games, and uh, you played five, as a matter of fact. Oh, did I play yeah, five? Yes, you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> it. It, Rex, was, you know, what's the word, a magnificent thing to be a part of where the best played the best. And they were played in, in equally as, what's the word, competitive manner oh. as any home and away game. Yeah. And one of my great joys to do that, I think one of the joys which the current generation don't understand, but given the opportunity to play, I'm certain they'll play. They don't have to be played every year, but you might play them on a rotation so the good players every five years at least get a chance to represent their state. I think mm. that's pretty special. And you can say, well, we represent a state because West Coast Eagles play Hawthorne now. That's a totally different, I think, uh, thing. I would somehow... And I know it's a busy calendar. I'd somehow organise it because I think people would come to watch and people would play with all the commitment intensity that uh, that football played with the best playing against the best. When did the penny drop for you to say, I can't play this anymore at the highest level like I'd like to. I don't want to make a fool of myself. The game is passing me by. No matter what reason, when did the penny drop for you, David Parkin, to say, I'm struggling 
it's time that I retired and moved on to the next stage of my sporting life. I, I was helped by a few people like John Kennedy that <laughs> uh, um, took away the captaincy and said the time was nigh. I was a bit lucky because I became playing coach of the reserves in 1974 and we lost a large number of players injured. So, in fact, I was resurrected in 1974 to come back and play, and I played in the preliminary final, but that was my last hurrah. Uh, happy to go and very fortunate, Rex, to be able to go interstate and continue to play. Every year, hundreds of people take out a fixed-price funeral plan with Tobin Brothers Funerals, and by doing that, they have the peace of mind of knowing that regardless of how long they live, the price they pay today is fixed forever. So why not celebrate your life with a fixed funeral plan, plan from Tobin Brothers Funerals? Out of the break, we're talking to David Parkin. And when we come back, we cross the nullarbor to the Subiaco Football Club. When the footballing life of our star today continues, we're talking to David Parkin on This Is Your Football Life. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And what a journey it's been uh, through my life to run into people like David Parkin and it was always when he was playing for Hawthorne and I can remember in the foyer of the hotel during the Polly Farmer testimonial there was Kanga Kennedy, yourself and Don Scott and uh, uh, this is a Sunday morning program and we've got to be quite careful but the way that Scotty told me to go forth and multiply it was just uh, uh, Don Scott, what an absolute legend of the game but he... You reckon I'm different? He's a different kettle of fish. How did you find Scotty? You actually coached him, didn't you? In, a, in later in life, we've become absolutely <laughs> great mates. Uh, uh, he, yeah, I think when you talk about different people, Don is. He's still what would he be middle sixties yeah. now, I suppose. Middle sixties. Yeah. Don's yeah. still competing at national level in in jumps with his horses. Yeah, I mean he's incredible. He's a real horse whisperer these days. Yeah. He buys and sells and he trains and breaks in and does all those sorts of things. But he's a really, really terrific person. He's got a lot of very close mates and he's gone down the same pathway I have in the same prostate cancer and we're both survivors now so that's even brought us closer together as we talk about the um, issues that men confront after that uh, but Scotty was and the, I think the more interesting thing and you'd understand this Rex is that he played the three of them uh, Scott as the ruckman I guess Tuck as the ruck yeah. rover and Matthews as oh, the rover that wow. was as good as combination get had no nothing in common at all other than they put on the brown and gold Guernsey and played in the same team within the team every week. Mm. Had no social contact, no interest or anything in each other, and yet became, as a combination, unbelievably good. Maybe the best I've ever seen. I'm going to actually go out on a limb. Our listening audience will be just very interested in what you've got to say, I believe. And if you can give us some sort of insight on your first reaction when you were told... You have uh, cancer, and uh, what was your first feeling that went through your mind? I think, like everybody else, uh, you think it's, it's not going to happen to me, and that, yeah. that can't be right. I think, Rex, I was at least 
aware because I had a father and a grandfather who died not with but of the same disease. Mm. So in that case, at least I was aware enough and disciplined enough. People know me, that's me. I went every year from 40 to 60 to have both the uh, PSA test, the blood test, and the digital rectal test. I had that. And nothing of significance changed. At least I had a line on, on the PSA levels until I got to, I think, 65 when I was going twice a year, Rex. And then all of a sudden my PSA doubled. And it wasn't high in terms of people know a bit about the disease. It was 2.1 to 4.8. PSA is a blood it's, count. Is a blood count yeah. of that particular uh, cancer. And uh, I then went and... Uh, got a referral to a urologist who's another football mate of mine and uh, I almost straight away the long fingers of a ruckman he found the uh, the lumps that mm. uh, my GP hadn't been able to find and I had a biopsy on the end of that two days later which um, showed that I had a very aggressive cancer you mm. get a Gleason score at a Gleason score of 8.1 which is which is significant oh yeah so then you but then and the difficult thing for men I guess with this is that, first of all, do I have an aggressive cancer or not? Got to get that decision made. That's not easy. But then once you have a decision to make that it, you know, it needs treatment of some kind, then which road do you go down, Rex, is the difficult one. Mm. And there are at least four lots of treatment um, that you can have. I chose to have the robotic surgery, which is less intrusive, I suppose, and the surgeons tell me they can do it a little bit easier, sitting down at a table in front of their computer screen, not leaning over a body for the six or eight hours yes. that the operation takes. So I, choo- I chose to do that, and I'm five, I think, five years, five years down the track. You look with, wonderful. Uh, no, no recording at all on my six-monthly blood test, so I'm one of the lucky ones who's um, survived. So... Tobin Brothers, you're not going to get you yet, eh? <laughs> no, no, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's like, look, I, you know, I said before, if you was it, you choose your parents well, get a good education, and you stay remarkably healthy. You've got the trifecta. The next question is: We're going to fast forward because your career at Hawthorne was just great. But for those of us who have changed clubs, and I, I just did it just on the side. I went to play to Geelong and then St Kilda, but I got my start at, uh, at Richmond. Mm. You got your start and your foundation is at Hawthorne, and suddenly you find yourself coaching against them at Carlton. Tell us how about the Carlton job? Uh, tell us about the Carlton job and how it came about. Well, I think rightfully we'd we'd uh, I think I coached seventy seven. We ran third seventy eight. We actually won it. Didn't make the finals in seventy nine and eighty. And Hawthorne were looking around, and rightfully so. I have no problems at the time. It didn't feel very tasteful seeing it was the club that I'd played and given my heart and soul to. But they were looking, and I made it easy by um, by resigning. It was appropriate in that. <laughs> At that time, Carlton, who I had not spoken to uh, prior to that, came to me and offered me the job there. I think Alan Jeans took over at He Hawthorne. did, and, yeah. and significant for us both. And you're all, yeah. you know, you're cut about at the time and don't want it to happen. But for the Hawthorne Football Club, and hopefully for the Carlton Football Club, and for the individuals concerned, both Alan and I became lifelong mates on the, yeah. on the basis of that and uh, loved the man. And uh, he just had a massive influence. And he and John Kennedy, of course, are as closer to that you could find. Um, and and Carlton gave me the opportunity with a team that had won in 79, uh, wrecks that people forget about, could have won in 80 but had a lot of injuries in the finals so didn't go through and I picked them up and they were as... They don't get talked about, which really annoys me, they don't get talked about in the same mouth as 
Melbourne, where you've just talked yeah. about Melbourne in the 60s, or Essendon in the in the 80s, or Hawthorns in the 90s. Oh, yeah. They don't get talked about in that. But the, the the Carlton team won three out of four at that time, and didn't wasn't far away in the middle one. So. Um, I was, how lucky can you be to walk into a club that has the most talented group, I think, in the competition at that stage? And whilst they're the most interesting bunch of blokes you could ever coach, and I probably learnt more in my lifetime in terms of handling very different individuals, they were terribly committed. They, the way they prepared and, and trained for and the way they got about their footy was just fantastic. So we brought a bit of a defensive edge to them. Mm. We... Um, <clears throat> we worked them pretty hard, our little mate Peter Shockman that you and I know so Shoko, well. Quality Shoko, quality and intensity. Quality and intensity got into that. Maintain into your form, Rex. That's exactly <laughs> him. Which was a big ask. And he's still going well today in exactly the same way. Yeah. Uh, he was able to put an edge in terms of the preparation for what the game required. So, you know, you're blessed when you go to an institution like the Carlton Footy Club who gave us every opportunity to do the things we wanted to I've got to leave Carlton because a lot of people won't uh, remember that in between, uh, you know, the, the first uh, stint at Carlton and the second one, where, you know, where you won your third flag there, you had a stint at Fitzroy and you actually swapped with my very and your very dear friend, Robert Walls. How did that come about, David Parkin? Well, I, 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 um, it's quite interesting. I got the bullet because Robert was available and went to Carlton. So the only club left for me, Rex, was, uh, was Fitzroy. But I think the funny thing that the listeners might enjoy is that we both happened to be on Channel 7 on the uh, on the footy show at uh, at lunchtime. And uh, we both finished and were coming in and out about the same time. We sat, I never forget, in Dorcas Street, we sat on the front step for about three hours while we compared our lists of players. I went down my list from Carlton. He went down his list from Fitzroy. And I tell you what... Hopefully, Robert would say the same. It was the best education of the group before I got there and what to expect, uh, and it helps me. But to add to that, Rex, that the in the in the finish, it was a bad time for the club and for me. But initially, I probably coached the best I've ever coached, and we ran third in '86, yeah. and I loved that. And the blokes, Rusey and and company. Um, uh, and, was, and while winning the flag is the absolute pinnacle, yeah, that, that was, was success for Fitzroy, wasn't uh, it? It was. They, yeah. hadn't, they hadn't finished that high for 40-odd years. And they were a terrific bunch of players coming to the end of their tether, but oh, they played with their heart and soul and had an enormous amount of skill with it too. Attending a funeral at any one of Tobin Brothers' 21 chapels is now just a phone call away. Those unable to be at the funeral in person for reasons of illness, cost or tyranny of distance can still be there in voice by recording a telephone tribute the day before the service. For more information, go to tobinbrothers.com.au or call 9373-7000. Our time together has just gone so quickly, but I need to touch personally on something that really has moved me. Since you've stopped coaching and since you've uh, got on in your life, you've rediscovered your family and you said it's one of the great warm things that's happened to you personally as a human being. And to have that reaffirmed or confirmed, I had John Warsfold say at my place a couple of days ago and the one thing that came out of our discussion was that he's been able to do exactly the same with his family, mm. with Charlie and Sophie. They've been doing things together and separately that they haven't been able to do before. And, uh, and certainly, Rex, football does... And I was trying to work a serious job at the University at Deakin at the same time. So I was trying to do two jobs, 
on four or five hours sleep a night, which I did for 20 odd years with stupidity when you think about it. And so the people closest to you get the least attention and time. And that's the one thing as a grandfather now, and I've got good relationships with my own kids through my grandkids. And, and I see them developing now and being able to spend time with them has, has been the, the real bonus. It's been an absolute delight. I could go on and on and on, but I uh, I can't. We haven't got the time. But thanks for your time today, and I'm sure the listening audience right around Australia would have uh, just been appreciative of getting a bit more of the insight into one of the legends of the game. I enjoyed calling you uh, as a coach. I enjoy uh, broadcasting with you as a fellow radio commentator, and it's been a pleasure to just celebrate your football life, David. Thanks, Rex, very much. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. Join us next week from 7.30am Sunday morning on 1116 SEN.